0: Hi folks, welcome back to Down to Brown. As you know, we talk about different topics that help us understand our multiple identities and what that story is that we tell ourselves as a result of that. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories that are not super productive and sometimes we make sense of them and we tell stories that help us free ourselves to be our best authentic selves. That being said, I couldn't think of a better person today that I'm talking to. And I hope you came full from a meal because you're going to get hungry for dessert after this. I'm talking to Malai, which is a Brooklyn-based ice cream company, but the person behind it, the genius behind it, who is Puja Bavishi. So this store pulls from different South Asian inspired ingredients and takes a twist on classics. It's a way for us to feel nostalgic, to explore something new, maybe different cultures bond over the fact that we have this common ingredient or flavor. There's a story that's being told in every ice cream flavor, which Pooja also has emphasized. And I just appreciate that she takes so much thought into something that puts such a smile on people's faces, no matter what age, there is some joy to be gained from grabbing ice cream with someone. Pooja is super accomplished. She has won the title of champion after winning a battle on Food Network's Chopped Sweets in March of 2020. She has a master's in economics from London and an MBA from NYU. She is a 2018 Tory Birch Foundation fellow and was named one of Inc. Magazine female founders 100 in October of 2020. Yeah. This chick is on a roll and the best part about Pooja is that she is such an inviting person and really helps you understand why this path was so important to her to be able to tell her story. Not to mention she is just such a nice person. When she says that she likes to bring joy through ice cream, that she does. I told her how I couldn't go to Malai when I visited Brooklyn because it was pouring rain and we I was running out of time before the flight. So I ended up door-dashing um, a couple of flavors and I loved it. And I was like, damn it, I really wish I could have tried more and like gone to the store. And she ended up shipping me for just cuz. So she is that kind of person. Without further ado, let's talk about her whole journey, what makes her successful more about the ice cream industry, some fun facts, and why this continues to be her calling. Hi, Pooja, thank you so much for your sweet Malai surprise for blessing us at Down to Brown.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here.
0: Uh, Of course, and I know you're a busy gal, like I'm watching your stories, you're doing like a pop-up event right now, so I don't know how you do it all in a day.
1: Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that um, that do even more than me, so I'm always in awe of that. But. Um... It's, it's going well. It's our season right now. It's the time to push. Um, and so it's it's very exciting that we're collaborating with so many cool people. And um, yeah, like people are ready for ice cream. It's hot outside. It's ice cream season, you know?
0: Yes, <laughs> totally. I feel like no matter what season, it should be ice cream season. Exactly. So. You're Hopefully. our target customer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the way I like to open our conversations here at Down to Brown is to first uh, start with where in the South Asian experience that you you identify with?
1: Um, So my parents um, come from Gujarat. I'm Gujarati um, and I am first generation Indian American. So um, they immigrated here and I was born in Pennsylvania and grew up in North
0: Carolina. Oh, wow. So East Coast, East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: the majority of that in the South.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So how, what was that like growing up, especially like the demographics in like North Carolina, Pennsylvania?
1: yeah no. Um, so I grew up in Charlotte, which is um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a pretty big city. um and but it 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 definitely. I, I went to a private high school um, in North Carolina in Charlotte, and so I was one of two or three Indian kids in my class. Um, maybe one of six um, people of color. It, it was it was very stark the differences. But you know, I grew up um, being really proud of my culture. I have always been really curious and really just like I have just always thought that our culture is just so beautiful, and um, and so I. I was very um, curious and like wanted to learn more and more about it at home. I would watch my mom cook and w- would want to cook with her. I would, um, you know, want to talk to my family in India as much as possible. Um, I taught myself how to read and write Gujarati as, you know, not as a child, like while I was in high school, because I didn't want to lose that. Like it was just really important for me to retain culture. Um, And that felt very authentic to me, but like going to school and, you know, having that other life um, also felt very authentic to me. Like I I didn't feel this like push and pull. Um, I didn't feel like I was living two separate lives. I just felt like, you know, like both things were very natural to me and I mixed and blended as I could, um, which plays a huge role into creating Malai actually, because, you know, I, I really wanted to tell the story, that that story of myself and how there were these like two seemingly very different parts of me, um, but they just really blended together and I, I wanted it to all seamlessly blend together into one product.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see how that is such an effortless complementary combination. But I'm actually really marveling at the fact that you did have such a, it sounds like there's a sense of, It was like you were like a mini Dalai Lama as a child, like being able Uh, to see this. (laughs) Well, that is pushing it a little bit. (laughs) Let me flatter your childhood, okay? (laughs) But um, I feel like if I grew up in a school, which I I did grow up in a school, in high school at least, like where I was – very hugely underrepresented. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you go through that, sometimes like you see kind of the opposite of people wanting to assimilate into the other and maybe rejecting or softening their presence with their South Asian identity or whichever immigrant community or other identity that they identify with. Um, and so is there someone or something that you feel like really helped facilitate your ability to embrace both? simultaneously because that's quite yeah I mean well I I don't like I I don't
1: think it's like you know so um altruistic as you make it seem like Mm -hmm. I, I think that it was a little bit you know like it was a little bit of like I, I'm, I'm the second child. I have an older sister. Um, and so I've seen someone, I had seen someone go through it before me and I'd seen struggles, right? And I think it's easier kind of going through these kind of experiences, especially, especially like in middle and high school um, when like, you know, you're changing so much. Um, but like, I also like, you know, my parents, my parents were very um, supportive and they continue to be. But I also think I was like in a group of friends in that time period. Like I, I we moved to North Carolina when I was ten. Um, and that's a really hard time to move, right? Like my sister was thirteen, I was ten. Like that's like, you know, you've you already kind of have your friends by then and like to kind of go into an established, you know, like there's only a hundred people in my class to go into an established kind of community. It's it's hard to break through that. And I I had I made I was welcomed by these really great people and, um, who, who also, it was like, um, I I was probably in the most diverse, um, group of friends in, in my school because like it was, you know, ethnically diverse and, um, and it just, it just seemed like because I had that safe space where we, we kind of did not represent the rest of the school and like you know like we were like very very tight and very very close um I, I think that like that that really helped me as well you know like i i didn't necessarily feel like i wasn't fitting in you know because like i i had like i had this like really solid group of friends i had my family and like it it didn't really feel like i was an outsider that i needed to prove something outside of normal things of proving right like i wanted to make good grades and i wanted to you know like win the student council position that i wanted to win like all of those things um but like i i didn't really feel like i needed to um fit in in other ways um and and you know like I, i don't know where that really comes from. It's not like I was like the, you know, far and beyond the most confident kid that ever like walked through a Charlotte high school. It was really just that like, I, I, I knew I, I, I knew who I was, you know, like I knew, I knew like what I was doing in school. I knew who I was at home. Um, I knew who I was with my friends and, um, it just, it it was just a really positive experience for me.
0: I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like that just really demonstrates the power of community and especially friends. To your point, you can normalize even the most, you know, when you're in a school where you're like, oh, there are not many people who look like me. But if you're with a group of friends where you're like, well, that's just how it is and we're going to have a blast together and I feel like I fit in, um, that can make the biggest difference. So, I totally feel you. I I remember in my high school, like, there was a period in middle school where I was really good friends with a group that, you know, they're primarily white and there's nothing wrong with us hanging out. But I just remember Mm -hmm. being like, there are a lot of things that they were doing that my parents would be like hesitant about, like sleepovers with boys or. Um, You know, pool parties or staying out all night type of thing. And I remember being like, this is gonna be really stressful for me in high school if I have to always ask my mom and dad like weeks in advance. And ended up finding a new group of friends. And now to this day, they're like my best friends, but it really did kind of help to seek that group out. And I, I think that's the part that if people have the right friends, it can really, really make the biggest like make or break difference in that period of time in your childhood.
1: I completely, that's exactly what I felt as well. And I'm not trying to say that like, I didn't have, you know, like back to the student council position. Like I remember I was running against this girl who um, really didn't like me. And I I think for, for reasons that she, you know, it had nothing to do with my personality like it, it, it very was clear that like she didn't like that I was a person of color challenging her right and and she and, and these are things that I wasn't able to articulate at the time um but certainly looking back I was and you know like she pulled down all of my posters and you know like I I had vote for Pooj uh but she can she has vision and I would put so, like little glasses in the o's <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so like I understand pulling down those posters they were that was a terrible slogan <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think that was the reason right but like I, I think that you know like so like looking back like it it certainly wasn't like a like an amazing ideal utopia at, by any sense but my my safe space was and so for that reason it, it was a very positive
0: experience totally it gives you that security Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you had mentioned so your parents that you would grow up watching them cook, which I I think you even mentioned in your website bio, of course, because I did my (laughs) research of um, (laughs) that your parents could really play with flavors to create dishes. Um, So how did you go from what they made at home? I don't know if they did make ice cream, so correct me if I'm wrong, but why ice cream? How did you land on ice cream being your calling to be able to blend these two identities?
1: Yeah, it it wasn't a linear path by any means. Um so I I um started cooking, like, well, I had an interest in cooking at a very, very young age. I just like really, I think that, you know, a lot of people can agree that um, the kitchen is a very social place in the home. Um, And um, that like, that's where conversations happen. And that's where, you know, like, a a lot of people hang out. And, and so I, um, I loved being in the kitchen. And I loved um, watching my mom cook or my dad, my dad cook, but, um, he, he, he was, (laughs) he was more of an experimenter. Um, my mom is much more of like a traditional cook, but, um, I I just like had a curiosity in there. And I, I remember the very first time I wanted to make something on my own, um, I was watching, you know, like the Saturday morning TV shows and like, you know, my, my normal Save by the bell followed by uh, California dreams. I don't know if I'm aging myself by saying that, but, um, (laughs) but, um, right after that, there was a cooking show that came on and and this was like pre food network. And, um, and it, and the woman, it was actually Mrs. Fields of Mrs. Fields, Cookies fame. She had a TV show and she was making a white chocolate cheesecake. And I was just like watching it. And you know, I was I had this like paper in front of me, so I was like kind of writing things down. And then I was like, Mom, can I make this today? And um, and she was like, Yeah, let me take you grocery shopping, and then the kitchen is yours. And so we went grocery shopping, and then my mom cleared out the kitchen, and I made a white chocolate cheesecake at ten, completely on my own. Like completely, my mom didn't help at all and um you know i i did so many things wrong and like i you know baked it and i burned myself and i you know like the i cut the cheesecake while it was still hot which you know is a big no no and like all of these things and so like, I was like scooping out this cheesecake and I called like my parents and my sister into our dining room and I like served them this cheesecake. And like, I still remember, even though I was 10, I still remember that they ate it and like, they were just like, this is so good. This is so good, Pooja, like good job. And I, I was just like, it, I remember this feeling of like, I can bring a smile to someone's face by cooking for them. You know, like there's this like, there was this like, connection that is formed through food that I think that very few things can bring. And, um, and it's like, so cross cultures and traditions and and all of and it's very social. And like all of these things that I, again, did not articulate at that time. I just remember that feeling. Um, and so I, like, that, like, kind of sparked my interest in food, specifically desserts, um, desserts, obviously, um, make people very happy, and, um, and so I, whenever people came over for my family, I would just always want to serve these dessert desserts, and that turned into, you know, like, researching about food, and, like, seeing how flavors fit together, and, um, eventually, like, creating a food blog when that was still cool, and, um, you know, like, in college, in college, I was, like, you know, I was the person who would bring people over and like I would bake for birthdays and I would wanna celebrate everything with dessert. Um, And so like it, it turned into, even though I was working towards another career, it kind of eventually turned into at some point in my life, I wanted to have a dessert business. I just didn't know what that looked like. So I continued with like experimenting. I had a job in DC um, after college where I worked at a civil rights agency and I loved the job. And, but I I was still, um, I was catering on the side like I had a little catering business called Sweets by Pooja and I would like cater holiday parties for companies and bigger birthday parties and like literally like had this like mini micro business um, where I would wake up at like five in the morning and bake um, and like research recipes and develop my own recipes and come back. You know, after happy hour, <laughs> most days, <laughs> um, and and bake again. You know, and like I would, I bought equipment and and all of these things, and then eventually, like I came to like a crossroads in my career, and um, my parents, who are entrepreneurs themselves, we were talking about like what my next move should be, and my parents were like, well, this seems like a really great business to kind of, re- a really great time to kind of dive into that business that you've been wanting to start. And I was like, no, <laughs> let me, at this point, I had gone to grad school already for urban planning, what I had been doing, um, and I, I felt like I needed a little bit more business acumen. So I decided that I'm going to go to business school and then decide like, if I want to start this business. So I moved to New York and, um, and moved to New York for my MBA. Um, and. I was in my second to last semester. And you can get kind of swept up in the whole MBA thing when you're recruiting
0: for jobs.
1: I was going to ask, are... yeah, because yeah. it's like,
0: I don't know many people, you could correct me. like I went to my master's in HR, but I think like a lot of the times in MBAs, people are like, well, I want to work for Bain or, you know, the type of corporate life. And so mm-hmm. how does small business factor into that experience? Well, what's really interesting
1: is that I went to go get my business degree because I wanted to start the small business and there's like there's a, we can do an entire other episode about whether or not you need a business degree to start your own business um which i have very strong opinions about but um but i, I did i did go there with the intention of starting a business after afterwards um but i like, kind of got lost in, in that shuffle, right? Like in, in that whole, like recruiting for jobs. I'm like, and you know, I'm going to be honest, like a little bit of fear also set in that like, oh my goodness, I'm one semester away from graduating. I don't know what this business looks like yet. I'm not at all. What I felt was like, I didn't feel qualified at all, um, to do so. And so I, it was, it was around Thanksgiving, um, where I had been recruiting. Um, and I, um, also, I, I held <laughs> every year I held um, a vegetarian Friendsgiving giving um, for all of my friends and um, I Obviously made made the desserts, and so I I made the desserts um, for that friendsgiving, and everyone came over. And my parents had gifted me an ice cream maker when I moved to New York, and I had made ice cream a couple of times. Um, but decided on for that friendsgiving that I would make ice cream to go along with the two desserts that I had made. Um, and so I was like quickly putting together an ice cream base, and I like look in my pantry, and I'm like, what what kind of ice cream should I make? And me and my sister joke that whenever we move from apartment apartment, my mom swoops in and stocks one side of our kitchen that we call the Indian side. um, And it has all of the essentials um, that we need to make our own comfort food, right? And um, I grabbed two spices and decided to use those to flavor the ice cream. And and it was very simple. It was like ginger. One was just a fresh and dried ginger ice cream. And one was a star anise ice cream. And I made them and I served them with the desserts. And my friends were like, Oh wow and like my friends had been beneficiaries of these desserts for so long right like they they had yeah they they had been and they knew what my like eventual goals were but this time literally like unanimously they were just like like Pooja this is this is unique this is really delicious we would buy this like that was like the real difference that like of from like this is really good to we would buy this we've never seen anything like this before And then simultaneously I had a meeting with one of my mentors from business school. And I was just like, I have no idea what my next step should be. And he was like, it seems like you're applying for everything. You're applying for finance jobs and marketing jobs and strategy jobs. What do you want to do? He's like, let's just narrow that down. Like, what do you want to do? What field do you want to be in? And I was like, I want to do it all. And he was like, well, sounds like, it sounds like that business that you've been wanting to start, that's the only way you're going to get to do it all. And so like those kind of things kind of like literally happened in the same week and obviously like that led to many more discussions, like with my parents and close friends of like what that looks like, but pretty soon after that, like within just like, I would say within like two weeks. Um, I had established the LLC, like it was just like go time. And I was going to do this. And in January, so that was in November, in January, um, I attended this course at Penn State um, specifically for commercial ice cream making. And like I was just like starting this business.
0: Wow. I mean, that is such a cool evolution of how you got there. And especially the fact that you knew what you wanted, but I'm also impressed with how much you sought out like the piece of educating like educating yourself and being able to feel strong in that way but your community I feel like I'm I can't help but like marvel at how supportive they were
1: yeah absolutely what what's so funny is that like I, I think that like you know everyone and everyone close to me everyone in my life knew that i'd been wanting to do this for so long so i think that there was this a little bit of a collective sigh of relief that like <laughs> she finally <laughs> finally she found what she wanted to do but honestly like looking back like i you know you never know you're having an aha moment until afterward or i feel like i'm never having it until like you kind of retrospectively look at it and like you know like i i like the, these parallels in my life that have been like such constant whether it's being appreciative of my culture and where I come from, or, um, you know, like making desserts to make people happy and all of that, it kind of came to a head at that moment, right? Like it was everything that I love and everything, or so many things that I love, not everything, but like so many things that I love and so many things that I wanted to represent in this business that I could not nail down a concept for suddenly like came to fruition, you know? And like, and it just like, It just felt like it was really meant to be that, like, I wanted to tell a story. And for the first time I was able to.
0: I really love how you captured that piece of you found your way to tell your story, because I think that's the beauty of this creative and even business space is that people will have a point of view, but it might be expressed in different ways like the same story you're telling through ice cream might be told through music for someone or art through someone else um and so it reminds me of this one book that is by the same author of eat pray love elizabeth gilbert she wrote this book called big magic and it goes into detail about this concept of ideation and creativity and how it can kind of float around and visit you. And if if you have that will, that energy, and you seize it, it can be your big magic moment. Um, and sometimes if you don't seize it, it's not the right time. It might float to someone else and happen. So it's a really interesting concept. I do think that it is now at a place for you probably where you're like, okay, the big magic happened. I've got my shop. I own a business. I'm running it, which is both physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting. I'm also a chef who is producing recipes. So how do you balance it all? Because I feel like balance is such a big part of this journey. I,
1: I think I still am. I don't think I've still found the balance. Um well for, first of all I want to address the fact that like I'm 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 not a chef. You know, like I, I think that like I, I'm not, I'm not culinarily trained. I didn't go to school. I didn't work in restaurants. I didn't work in kitchens. And so I um, certainly develop recipes, and I I have turned into someone who um, can can turn these recipes into products. But um, you know, there's there's a bit of an imposter syndrome when it comes to that, and and I'm I'm you know I'm I'm not. I'm not what the formal definition of chef is. Um, Like I'm a business owner who um, really wants to um, be able to tell stories through my my food and tell my own stories, right? Like I'm not telling anyone else's. I'm I'm trying to tell my own stories through food. Um, But yeah, I I think that like balance is, is really hard to achieve in the food world like you are on when everyone else is off right and um and so like it's it's still that that like coming back to the most basic part of like I wanted to bring people joy that is still the very crux of why I love doing what I do like on that Sunday when I'm working and everyone else is enjoying their beautiful summer Sunday like when I do get these messages or I'm at the shop and I see people and they're like you know th- th- you this is our daily this is our week ritual coming here every Sunday to have your mango and cream or I got you know however many pints shipped to us because you know we we love your ice cream so much we've never had anything like it or my favorite where it reminds me of home like that is still the number one reason why I'm doing this
0: um I don't know I just got emotional about that. yeah no I really really appreciate like I can hear the passion so strongly from you and I think that's why people probably love your food and I mean I told you I like really wanted to try it it was pouring rain the one day we went to Brooklyn so I door dashed and it was such a incredible way for me to celebrate some of the flavors that I actually didn't even enjoy growing I didn't like sweet like you know sweet roti growing up but I know my mom did and so I tried it thought of her you know my fiance's Russian he had like the mango cream I told you he demolished it and I was like wow like I get to share a little piece of the flavors that I grew up with well what's really cool is that
1: like it's not even just people who grew up very similarly to us, um, who feel that nostalgia, right? Like, it's it's really like, flavor is a really interesting thing. And like, it can it can bring back these like moments of, you know, these like these memory flashpoints, even though you've never really even had those flavors or those flavor combinations growing up. Like my one of my favorite stories from when I started Malai was like the very, very first summer that I started. Like literally I was rolling a chest freezer <laughs> around in Uber Excel's and um and I was selling at a at a street fair and I sold a scoop of the orange fennel um to this one woman and it was the very first day I was like debuting the orange fennel, which is like one of my favorite flavors. It's just like fennel seeds are just so ubiquitous in Indian culture. They're a palate cleanser, they're a digestive aid, um, and and they really lend themselves so beautifully to dessert. Um, and I like brightened it up with some orange, and like it 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 was it's really like a flavor that's super refreshing and delicious to me, and tastes very very familiar to me. And this woman bought a scoop and walked away. And then she like did this like 180 about face. And I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. She's like coming back to me. Um, And I was like really ready to refund her. (laughs) And and she's like, "Um, I just wanted to tell you that Um, My Italian grandmother used to make orange and anise cookies, and I haven't had this flavor since she's passed. So I just wanted to thank you. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah. And it's just like it's so crazy to think that, like, you know, we grew up like this, this guest, this customer and I grew up so differently. But actually, we probably were much more similar than we would ever think. And like and, and like, it just showed up in flavor. It showed up in these like flavor profiles. And like, I just think that that's so cool.
0: Oh, absolutely. A lot of these things can really unite us in ways that even like if other, you know, not to sound like cheesy, but like if other areas we can't agree, like food is one place where sometimes you can just find that overlap. I mean, when you for think sure. about Tamarind, like the way that I, I always thought for some reason, I was like, it's an Indian thing. And I'm like, well, obviously not. Um, and so like you go to Mexico, you go to any other yeah. country and you're like, wow. Right. So everyone is like up in Tamarind's arms. So <laughs> it's like a very uniting. <laughs> That's, like, you're like point <laughs> of <the day>. yeah. <laughs> Tamarind's moment tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I I really love that about food and I think that's like, something really special that you can bring through your product too and I'm I even noticed that about like I thought about I didn't even think about like other cultures and like other identities growing up but I was gonna say like some of the flavors that I saw in your menu were things that I could see like the evolution of like also like our parents generation meeting our generation if that makes sense so like Like, for example, there are certain things that I think, like, my parents would be more into that I probably, like, taste in as, like, I associate it with, like, mom and dad likes it. But when Mm -hmm. I have it, you know, more of the flavors that I grew up with were, like, probably more of the mango and the chai, right? And, like, lychee. Um, the ones with like fennel and anise I noticed I was like oh these are more bold like that's something my mom would like right Mm -hmm. so how do you also like think about the fact that you're like not just catering to obviously like we're a very complex diaspora but South (laughs) Asians like across generations who are also evolving their palates like do you think about that when you're like developing your recipes and flavor profiles yeah
1: I mean yes and no so I'm not trying to you'll see that like, like I'm not at all trying to recreate quote unquote, Indian flavors of ice cream, right? Like you won't see, um... If you if you do see something that's very similar, like it's it's we've taken our own twist on it, right? So it's not like you're going to see a kiss or a pista, like a saffron pistachio ice cream. You're not going to see a straight up rose ice cream. You're not going to see a tutti frutti, right? Like it's it's like you're not going to see the ice creams that you find in the Indian store or that you find like as like you know typical Indian flavors in India. Like I know that the Indian ice cream market also has evolved so much, especially in the past decade. But like you know those flavors that like especially me, I can talk about myself, um, you know, going back to India and stuff like that. Like it's it's those are the flavors that were really represented. Um, you're not going to see those at Malai because it's, it's not about it, it, it's never been about taking something that already existed. It was always about creating flavors that were always in front of us, but turning that into ice cream. You know, and so like a masala chai ice cream, like our masala chai ice cream is exactly, like literally when I when I developed that flavor, I made it exactly how I make chai at home. You know, how my mom taught me, how my grandmother taught her, how my aunts make it. You know, like we make it, like there's obviously like very um, it's like a very family-specific recipe to make chai, but, like, that is exactly how I made the masala chai ice cream. It's It was very specific to how my family makes chai. And, like, that is not something that you necessarily see in ice cream, right? Like, you don't see sweet roti and ghee, or, like, what that was based on is this um, this dish that we call churmu, which, like, when we were little and we didn't like, like, the vegetable that my mom made, she very... Um, like very happily for us she would just like take the roti that she made and she would crumble it up and put in ghee and like chunks of jaggery in there and like kind of massage it all together um and we call that churmu and like we would eat that instead and it was delicious and that's exactly the crumble that we put in between in like the we have roti flavored ice cream and we put that in between as like um layers of of like inclusions in there you know and so so it's like it's it's really supposed to be these flavors that You've just never seen before, but t- like to seem really familiar, right? Like you've had them before, but not necessarily in ice cream form. That what way, always surprises, it, right? Exactly, and like to your point, like what always surprises me is that, like you know, like I, I myself, I'm first generation Indian American. I'm I, like I, I've said before, like I'm telling my story, and there's a lot of people that can relate to my story, but like you know, like this Italian woman that came up to me that first summer I was selling, like there's a lot of people in the diaspora that may have not grown up the same way that I did, may, may not be first generation, may not even be from India, right? And um, and still find something that they can really relate to in my products. And I find that very cool, like whether that's an older generation or a, a younger generation, like I just feel like people can find what they love. Um, and like, I, I don't think that there are necessarily flavors that um, cater to one audience over another. Like what, what I found, Um, is that like, no matter what, since, um, 2015, our number one skew has been rose with cinnamon roasted almonds and that's across all demographics. Um, and, and so like, I, I, I don't, you know, like that we do create flavors like carrot halva and tundai, um, and you know, like what would be considered more traditional, but like not traditional in ice cream you know and so and for that reason like it, it I'm not creating flavors for a specific demographic what I found is that you know anyone and everyone whether that's you know an older Indian auntie or whether that's a you know a very young person like a child or whether that's someone who's like not a part of the diaspora at all mm-hmm. um can find a connection to it
0: I love that. And, uh, you know, you said this a couple times and I wrote it down because it really stood out to me. But you had mentioned that, you know, I'm telling my stories in this and it might not be everyone's. Right. And I think that's so real and something that I talk about actually a lot in a different way um, in our like conversations in this is that, you know, we are pretty starved of any kind of representation growing up, especially in the mainstream. And Mm -hmm. once someone does get out there, there's sort of this pressure sometimes that they have to fulfill it all or reflect all of us and do it perfectly and do it correctly. And it puts a lot of stress not only on that entity or individual, but it's also not, I, I believe personally, it's not a very productive and positive way to create and pave a way for others because it does seem like damn like if i do that then like people are going to get on my case about how it's like not the way they did this or so i remember when we talked to Hathel of milk and cardamom too like earlier you know, like last uh, this year, she had mentioned how when she was on Master Chef, people would say like, "But that's not how I I make doll at home." And she's like, mm-hmm. "Well, this is how I made doll." So right. like, you know, and you see that with actresses like Mindy Kaling can't be everyone, right? She's one mm-hmm. person telling her stories, for example. So I really appreciate that you called that out because. To your point, like it is the way that perhaps you grew up with it and we can connect to it because there's that familiarity or similarity. But I'm glad it's out there, even if it's not exactly what I grew up with, because I need to see more brown women out there so I can be like, well, maybe then I should put what I think is my story, right? And slowly, that that's how it works for most mainstream stories. But we, for some reason, I think because we don't have as much, there can be a little bit of that pressure.
1: Yeah, for sure, and like, and I think that like, I, I'm ha- I'm ha- I'm so so happy for so many people to be able to you know feel a connection to our products. Like it's that like that that's overwhelmingly amazing, right? Like it's just it's it's so cool. Um, but you know, I one of the decisions we made internally is um just in the last year. Um, I now write a story for each of our pints of how I came up with that flavor, um, and and that is exactly it, it was in response to exactly what you just said, right? That like, um, interesting, your chai is ginger heavy. Um, that's not that's not that's not chai to us. That's not chai to us, you know. And I'm like, yeah, totally, exactly. I understand that, but like are you not going to appreciate this product for what it is? Because you don't understand that, right? Like you don't understand the fact that like, that my family is so completely different than yours. And there can be that like discrepancy. I actually like, the jai part is so interesting to me because there's so many Indian food bloggers out there. Hithal being one of my favorite people, and like I, I feel like um, jai being made is one of like the most more like common, popular things to do. And I love watching that because everyone makes it differently, you know. And and so like I, I like calling that out. Like I like now saying that like this is what I experienced and therefore created this flavor, right? And, and I, I think that people actually, instead of, you know, I'm, I'm doing it to show that like, th- these are the differences that we might experience, right? It was in response to that. But instead, what what that transpired to is more people felt more connection to it, right? That like, when they read the story, they're like, oh, right, this makes complete sense. I feel this way too, This this product does represent me
0: you know yeah absolutely and I I think that's like what keeps it fresh and new right like you don't want everyone to be the same actually if everything I saw was what I eat at home it wouldn't be as interesting and unique and an adventure right food is part of that is that you get taken to a different place you learn something new um and so I think that would take away a lot if we were all the same we have room for everyone yeah. <laughs> right um, totally but we course. just need more people to tell that story of theirs um I was going to ask, too, like, I wanted to get your two cents since you're more of an ice cream expert than I am. But I was sitting down, like, you know, thinking about our questions. And I was like, well, you know, it's like such a cool representation of the Down to Brown mission, what you do, where it's like you take this piece, our dual identities, oversimplified, of like American and also South Asian. And you bring it together in a way that is this like baby of that. But then I was wondering, like, is the concept of ice cream that foreign to South Asian cuisine? Like, we do have kulfi. Like, have you thought about, or you're probably much more learned in like the kind of history of ice cream and like where that connects to our culture? Of course,
1: there's kulfi, but India is like one of the highest consumption of ice cream in the world, and so like yeah, like they they know their ice cream for sure. Um, but but yes, like there there is the kulfi. There are other other desserts that are frozen. Um, I'm not trying to emulate that, and like I said already, I'm not trying to emulate the Indian flavors that already exist. But it's not like it's not you know, at all, at all a foreign concept, right? Like that, like ice cream shops are super ubiquitous in India. Like they are some of the biggest companies, ice cream companies of the world, the, the ice cream companies that, um, exist there. Um, and they make really great products and like the, you know, the artisanal ice cream boom I can like talk about. I'm an ice cream geek, so please stop me if this gets a little boring. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: but, um, you know, like the U S has experienced a boom in the ice cream market and like the past. 10 to 15 years, you'll see a lot more artisanal ice cream brands that you've ever seen before. And really, like the like the kind of the brand that started all of this is Jenny's from Ohio, where she really recalibrated the ice cream market by like, basically, like, you know, basically like declaring that like ice cream can be a luxury product as well if we just put the right ingredients into it. And it can be a like super premium, delicious, delicious product that can stand on its own. It doesn't need to be a la mode. It doesn't also need to be the same flavors everywhere you go. Um, And so she really recalibrated the market. And, um, you know, I, I, she's been along for way longer than Malai. Um, she's been around for like about 15 years but soon after that you started seeing more and more artisanal brands pop up where they started making their own ice cream base which wasn't even common i would say 15 years ago you would just get a pre-made already mixed ice cream mix from a dairy you would put syrups into it to flavor it and then you would spin it into ice cream but now like we use a custom eggless mix that I created in 2015 after experimenting with so many different recipes. Um, And so like it has a certain amount of fat and a certain amount of milk solids and like it like completely combines together that carries my flavors really, really well. Well, that's not just in the US though, that ice, the artisanal ice cream boom is kind of all over the world. So our, India is also experiencing it. You see a lot more artisanal brands pop up there now too. Um, what's really funny is that like, whereas like I'm doing a lot of like South Asian inspired flavors, you see a lot more like, um, you know, red velvet cake and salted caramel and things like that in India, right? Because like, that's what's like, what's exciting and new and different. Um, but like i you know i'm i'm so impressed with what what's going on there as well like i hope to enter the indian market at some point but i think that there are some really really stellar products and some really amazing creation happening there as well um to kind of take like to kind of revamp the ice cream market that's that has been existing for so long there
0: yeah that's actually really fascinating i didn't realize jenny's might have been in the kind of pioneer of that i remember like think it was like 2014 or 13 my best friend in Atlanta made me wait in line with her for like three hours because they were doing an opening in Atlanta for the first time outside of um, Ohio and I had no idea like why we were doing that but once I tried it I was like well I'll be coming back with you every week Um, so that is super cool to hear what else do we know about the ice cream industry this is actually super fascinating to me
1: Um, well, um, so another fun fact that I always like to talk about is that, um, so there's like in in the Western world, there's like two kinds of ice cream. There's the American style ice cream and the European style ice cream. Um, European style ice cream is custard based. And so, um, you use egg yolks to kind of fortify it's like a stabilizer and an emulsifier. And it like adds richness to the ice cream. Um, and up, up until again, very recently, most American brands would use European-style ice cream to make their ice cream. It just like made it more rich, Um, like Haagen-Dazs being a really good example. Um, But within the American-style ice cream, so more and more people are going towards American style, which which doesn't include the egg yolks. But within American style, there's also um, a subset called Philadelphia-style ice cream. Do you know why it's called Philadelphia-style ice cream? Cream cheese. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Uh. And so so there, you use cream cheese instead of egg yolks um, to, again, just like kind of fortify your ice cream, adds to the scoopability, adds like a really nice like back saltiness and like a little bit of a tang, and that's exactly what we do. Um, so we use a Philadelphia-style ice cream base um, which now more and more companies are using, not necessarily Philadelphia style, but an eggless style um, because eggs do have a flavor um, and obviously eggs are an allergen. And so um, you, you want to avoid as many allergens as possible. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so like that's another fun fact that I love to talk about. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, thank you. I'm learning so much about you and ice cream. So this is <laughs> the best way to start a Friday morning. <laughs> Um, But one thing I really wanted to touch on, too, is going back to your journey as an entrepreneur. And as a brown female entrepreneur, I'm curious what your experience is like, because this is also a space we're hoping to see more representation in. So I wonder what your network is. Like, how consistent do you feel your experiences with perhaps your white female counterparts in you know, being this type of hustling entrepreneur, owning your own business, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I can't speak for their experience, but um, I I do think that, um, you know, like I I think that there's there's always an extra step that we have to take as uh, women of color. Um, whether that's to be taken more seriously, whether that's to prove yourself a little bit more. Um, I think the number one thing that I always get is because it is, um, a brand that represents my culture. Um, I, I think that a lot of people think it's a hobby, you know, like that. It's not, not an actual business. It's not something that like people want to Buy right, like it's it's really like why don't I help you by tasting your products for you kind of thing, you know, um, and and so like that's that's been um, you know th- th- that was a challenge to overcome at the beginning. At, at this point, like um, it's it's nice to have a team to support you and to be able to handle those things as well. Um, but I, I think that the like the biggest kind of um, uh, you know positive surprise is that. You know, there's a community of brown women, of Desi women um, who have followed their passions or, you know, maybe have done like a good amount of market research and have followed that instead. But whatever they're doing um, is like super cool. And it's out of the box and they're hustling and they're making it happen. And there's such a support for each other within that. Um, and I was not expecting that to happen, right? Like I wasn't expecting to have this, like built in network of people that just like inherently support each other because there, there is this understanding of like, we know what we're going through, you know, and like, you want to support a fellow busy woman's business, busy woman's, um, hustle, right? Like you want to be able to support where you can. Um, and, and I think that that like, it's something that, you know, when I, so I kind of relate it back to my childhood and growing up, like, you know, I, I was really proud of my culture. I really was curious about it and was really, um, like, I, I loved it in every way, but it also, it really felt like something that was, um, super family oriented to me. Like it, like it was really based on in, it was rooted in family and, um, to have this as part of, to have this community as a part of my professional experience, um, as well as just like a you know friendship colleague type experience as well, is something fairly new to me, um, and and it's something that um, I I really value. Like it's it's something I I truly truly value, and I seek out now. And I like I hope that I'm in a place now where I'm able to pay it forward, and I'm able to support as well.
0: Absolutely, I adore all of that because I think like, you know, of course, like more and more we're seeing people even like in places like platforms like Instagram and social media where you see brown women being able to easily become creators and just form communities that support each other. But being able to uplift and encourage each other in that way is just so much more powerful and in, in a way that I haven't been able to see growing up because there were we were still just figuring it out. So um, I think that's so, so exciting to hear about that space emerging. And I just, I have high, high, high hopes for <laughs> how this like network and this space expands.
1: Yes, agreed
0: one thing that I've also wondered is that let's say I'm someone who speaking of Instagram I'm like looking at Malai on Instagram and I'm like this just looks so fun and cute like what a cute shop and business and what do people fail to see about how the challenges of a small business or a business like this, where yes, the product is fun, it delights people, but there's a lot of work that goes behind it. What do people not see about the entrepreneurial space, especially in the um, dessert space?
1: I love that you asked this question. (laughs) Um, I, I mostly because like, you know, I feel seen (laughs) Um, like it's, it, yeah. Like it's, 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 when you're in, when, when you're in something aspirational and like food and desserts is very aspirational, it's hard to see that there is like this whole machine that's happening in the back that like might break and, you know, might, might not be like the train might not be on its tracks. And and so I think our number one challenge, um, is, you know we we are a multi-channel business we have the storefront we ship nationwide we're also present in grocery stores in um certain markets um and we do catering and events right so there's a lot of things that we do um and i think that the biggest challenge is the fact that the product is frozen right like frozen distribution is not easy um it's not easy to ship it's not easy to um you know like to move pallets, like uh, you know, in, in terms of like bigger distribution, it's just it's it's really really challenging. And I think that, you know, when when people, you know, when UPS delays a shipment or when you know people happen to get melted ice cream because they open the box too late, and they immediately just are just like your product sucks. And I'm I'm just like. Yeah, but it, this was like a really uphill road to get the product to you. Do you understand how cool it is that we could ship ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like the fact that those capabilities are possible. Can we just take a breath and talk
0: about that first? Oh yeah. The fact that you're in Goldbelly and you could, like me, be in California and get this ice cream is amazing.
1: Yeah, 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 no, but like, I like that's, that's like my initial response to like anything that uh, people say, you know, what's so out of our control is also like, not only like the shipping and stuff like that, is that like, when we, when we, um, no, quiet. No, quiet. when we distribute to grocery stores, uh, and no. like, for example, if, um, you know, their freezers are not at temperature, and the product melts and refreezes, or their distribution and trucks are not at temperature like all of these things that are just out of our control um you know ultimately we get blamed for and I, I think that
0: that's that's just a really big challenge absolutely and i think at least in my experience as a customer it's usually the restaurant that kind of has to eat up that or like the business that has to eat up that cost even um yeah and so i think like it, yeah i can totally imagine and i I think it is very, very amazing that we can start to access this even beyond the location itself. Um, Although I will pitch for a California Oakland location (laughs) in the future. Um, But (laughs) I think uh, to your point, there's a ton of logistics that goes into this that we don't even understand and I can't even imagine like small businesses again like we tend to think like especially in the last year I think we've appreciated them differently Um, they are just such a beautiful enrichment of our local economies they're a way that we can access things that perhaps commercially we might not have available but there's a lot of grind that goes into it in fact probably more than like your typical bigger company etc so I wonder sometimes, like, when you are working that hard and making sure things go well existingly, how do you also stay creative and where are there opportunities to innovate? Because literally I'm trying to imagine, like, I'd be too tired to innovate because I'm like, oh, my God, I just, like, spent a whole day, like, you know, figuring all this out. So what is innovation and creativity look like to you, especially as you keep things fresh and interesting?
1: Well, I think think for me it's just, like, you know that's the most exciting part of my job right like i i obviously have to do the logistics and the finances and the marketing and you know all, all of those things that um run a business um but it's the innovation that not only is really exciting and that it's really um the most fun part but that's also what drives the growth of the business as well right and so um you know if, if my goal and it still is to like get this product and bring joy to as many people as possible. And like, to your point, the dias- the diaspora is extremely large, right? Um, I need to continue to do that part. I need to continue to make time and make sure that the product is still as high quality as it was back in 2015, that we have product consistency um, and that we're still bringing fresh ideas to the table, right? Like we're still um, bringing things that people have never seen before to the table. So people are still excited to try Malai, you know, you can still get your, your, your like tried and true favorites. And that's cool that like those are developing, right? Like we've been around long enough that people do have favorites now and we need to bring things back and things like that. Um, but it's also really cool that we're still bringing out new things. Totally.
0: I think that's like the best first world problem to have is when you walk into an ice cream shop and you're like, damn it, I love this one always. But also this sounds delicious. So um, I love that you're continuing to provide that experience. My my last question before our fun kind of rapid fire is in a way, I feel like small business owners, especially lately, To me, when I see you all, you're helping me feel, I'll speak to myself, right? Like helping me feel more represented in a way that I haven't grown up and seen before. So usually it would be like, well, cool, I'm seeing it in Bollywood. Um, Okay, you see it maybe in the medical field. But seeing more creative industries like this, where I'm like, we're surrounded in every industry, um, that feels great and very inspiring. And so what do you hope in your like role and platform now that you have, what what do you hope your legacy is?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's the question I almost ask myself daily, honestly, that, you know, like I got into this to become a legacy brand. I didn't get into this to, um, you know, like get a bunch of investment and be acquired within the first two years of business. It was really um, grind and hustle and bootstrapping and to really make, um these stories come to life and really make this dream a reality um i really like i you know there, there's really it, it goes back to you know my childhood and um like these two constants in my life that i always talk about right like it's really that like i want i want people to appreciate this beautiful culture that we are both a part of um and and really love like these flavors that come from there. And I want that to be represented through moments of joy. Like I, I want, I want to be able like for anyone to whether if whether they're brown, whether they are see whether they relate to these flavors or not, to go to a grocery store or go online or go to their local shop, and not be afraid to be like, you know what, I want you know the sweet routine heat, I want the orange fennel I want the lemon cardamom like I just want that because that's the flavor that I love um and and I like that that's that's what I hope will happen as we continue to grow like I want more and pe- more and more people to become aware of these spices and these flavors that like millions of people have on a daily basis and not, yeah, literally, and not even just from South, like the subcontinent, right. And, um, and, and normalize that, right, like make that a part of mainstream. Um, how is it that we can, you know, take take a flavor like cookies and cream and instead be like masala chai should be here and it should be here represented on the grocery store shelves just as just as prominently um and i i hope that i hope that we're a part of that i hope that that's the legacy that we can leave behind
0: i I especially love like the normalization piece of that um one of my i love to rag on turmeric like the trend of it now but i also think it's especially amusing when people are like Oh, it's a turmeric, this, right? Because Indians don't, or like South Asians don't say, like, oh, this is a turmeric bean curry. They'll just be like, it's bean curry. It's a a element of it. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like, it's a turmeric scrap. The New York Times has had it like a turmeric egg fry thing and i was like it's just an egg fry it's an Um, egg fry right (laughs) yeah so i would love to see that especially like it doesn't have to be such a novelty it could just be a part of the ingredient base that is you know credited and appreciative of the eastern Mm -hmm. culture The last few questions I have for you are just a fun, sort of, quote, rapid fire, but sometimes I dig into them because they're really fascinating answers. But um, I would love to ask whatever comes to your mind quickly and intuitively. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. So after Malai, what is your favorite ice cream brand slash shop? Breyers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about Brooklyn?
1: Uh, my niece living here.
0: If you had to describe the following celebrities' personalities with a Malay ice cream flavor, what would you choose for Meryl Streep?
1: Um, Maybe the Turkish coffee. She seems to be like, go, go, go. So that bolt of j- caffeine could be useful.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that sounds appropriate. Megan <laughs> Lee Stallion.
1: Um, ooh, we have um a chat party box right now that we've collaborated with Monique Johan on where like it's based off of my mom's chutneys. Um Date Cameron, cilantro mint sorbet, and like a roasted cumin frozen yogurt. I don't know, it's like it feels like a very trendy, trendy type of box. So and, you know, the these salads always viral. So yes, <laughs> I'm packing like a punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sarah
0: Blakey of the Spanx Founder
1: um lychee sorbet so we can fit into the space i don't know yes yes that's a good
0: one and aoc
1: Ooh. um well we came out with madam vice president in january to honor kamala harris um, mm-hmm. and the representation that she brings for us it's a coconut mango ice cream to honor her east and west indian roots with a uh, candied lotus seeds um so i feel like she would aoc would be appreciative of that
0: yes if you weren't in the food space what would you be doing right now Oh man, I honestly like do not know how
1: to answer that because I just like, I felt like a little bit of a floater, but, um, I did (laughs) love, I did love my career and in urban planning. Um, I was kind of, I was in nonprofits and I likely would still be in the housing world somewhere.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And if you were born in a different century, which one would it be?
1: Um, I actually don't think I would want to live in a different century, but I am really from, from so for so long, I've always said that I am really nostalgic for my parents growing up in India when they did, um, whether that's like, you know, milling their own flour or like, I don't oh, know, like all yeah. of like that Old school. stuff that, yeah, exactly. I walk through the snow no they didn't walk through the snow but you know, like it's really,
0: <laughs> they pretend they it, did
1: yeah exactly um, but i'm just like I, I i think that they're they have so many so 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 many happy memories of their childhoods that i um and like uh, you know i'm almost a little um sad that i i never will be able to experience that so i would love to have lived in that decade to have, like, born in the 50s um, and, like, have lived through India when they lived through India. And obviously that's, like, a little weird
0: because <laughs> they're my insane. parents. And, like, I'm, like,
1: I'm, like, hey, friend. But, like, it's, it's so... <laughs> You know, they would have been born the generation before that, of course. Yes. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to change my family relationships just 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 when I was born.
0: <laughs> I love that. No, I feel like so much of what you captured. I actually learned this term recently with my nieces, um, who are like in high school and they were like, There's this concept called cottage core now. Are you familiar? No, not at all. But that's exactly what you described, essentially, of how now people are really into like drying their own flowers, creating their own sourdough mm. riser. I was like, damn, yeah, our parents were the OG cottage core. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, making their own yeah. yogurt. So, I love that. You wanted a cottage core in the 50s.
1: Totally. Like, I, I don't want in like a, a fast cop out available to me because I know I would take it, you know? Yeah. So <laughs>
0: Let's be I just, like what to do at old school. <laughs> yeah. I would miss the instant pot though. That is a really beautiful <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, Pooja, I just lost track of time talking to you. This was so much fun. I can't thank you enough for not only the laughs, but also like so much wisdom. I learned so much about the space and the entrepreneurial life that you have to go through to do something like this. And even the good, bad and ugly that comes with all of that. And also just being able to learn about the ice cream space. Like I just didn't I never knew this stuff. So thank you so much for spending the time. No,
1: please. Thank you. This has been one of my most favorite conversations. I love what you're doing and, and the stories that you're highlighting. Um, and I like love supporting that in every way possible. So this has been equally fun for me and I hope we can meet in person soon.